Those Clippers podcast. We are coming at you here on a Tuesday evening, the night before the big game. And of course, the big game is the Clippers season openers. Los Angeles Clippers take on the Portland Trailblazers at home at 7.30 Pacific time. This is officially your season preview podcast. Matt Matawarren had to call out sick, but he will be doing whatever he can to be at that game tomorrow. He said he has tickets and he will be there hell or high water, according to his exact words sent via text message. We'll get to his prediction for the season standings and also record but with Matt out I gotta call him my friend the pinch hitter he is probably the best pinch hitter that we've ever seen you see him on Forbes he knows ball and if he knows ball then that means that he can be on the ethos clippers podcast Shane Young back on the ethos clippers pod how are you Shane I'm doing great just watching some of these games man it feels weird no eastern conference team represented in these first two opening games, but uh, I'm, I'm just ready for tomorrow. we got like 12 or 13 games going on tomorrow. So. Yeah, it's strange that uh, the two games on the first day of the season are both West Coast games. A Lakers-Nuggets <laughs> 4.30 p.m. Pacific time game is very strange, but that game just wrapped up um, with the Nuggets going to 1-0 and as they get their rings and they don't suffer that I don't know what people like to call it, where they get a little fatigue, ring fatigue, and they uh, don't Championship fo- hangover. There you go. Over. Championship hangover. And they just are more focused on the rings and the ceremony. That wasn't the case. As Joker is still Joker, and the Lakers are 0-1, which is always good to see. And now <laughs> Shane gets a chance to watch his BFF, the point god, Chris Paul, on the Golden State Warriors. So I got to tell you, Shane is nice enough to be joining us during the game which shows how much he not only loves this podcast, not only how much he loves me, but how much he loves the Clippers and just loves talking Clippers and talking (laughs) to all of you on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. But let's get straight to it. Let's talk about the season opener. And let's start with the most relevant news, Shane. Um, We thought Terrence Mann was going to be starting for the Clippers, which was going to be Fun to see because, frankly, the Clippers have underused Man in the last couple of years. Um, but Man is out. He sprained his ankle supposedly yesterday in practice. And before we even get to who he would replace him, do you want to squash any sort of rumors that Man perhaps could be on the move in a hardened trade and that this is actually a fall injury? Matt Matawarren texted me right beforehand, and he's like. I'm just going to go ahead and bring this up. I don't know if it's crazy or not. I think it's more likely than not that there was an actual injury yesterday um, and that this has nothing to do with any Harden trade. But do you think there's any sort of possibility that this has to do with the Harden trade or it's an actual injury? Like 5%, nothing. And, uh, you know, I understand the the people that are skeptical about that stuff and maybe they're cynical that, you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't understand why a team would do that. I mean, that's putting a spring ankle out there, like that's what it was, correct? Yeah. In practice, yeah. So it's like, no, he he's actually hurt. I mean, come on now, we can't just be thinking that these teams are lying to us blatantly like that. Yeah, listen, we we've seen teams try and go around the injury report with uh, with the quote unquote load management is the uh, the 
the word or the phrase of the year, apparently, with what they're going to be trying to do. Charles Barkley went on a nice little rant pregame of Nuggets Lakers saying these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They should be playing every single game because they're in chambers now. And so, I'm glad I did not hear that rant. Oh, yeah. yeah. and I, yeah, I, It's funny. It's, I thought of you when I saw that rant. I'm like, man, oh. Shane would see this and he would not be <laughs> pleased because Charles Barkley was fired up. He's like, these guys should be playing every single game unless they are injured he's like we that we need to take care uh i'm if they're they need to go in a chamber and they have the best medicine they have the nice flights all that stuff whatever it was basically he was saying they should be playing which i mean i kind of understand for most of the of it but if you're gonna be playing five games in like eight days and like four games and six nights or something then perhaps there will be some days off let's let's do things the way they should always be done no matter what, no, yes. no matter if we're smarter now than we were in the 60s and 70s, we we'll just do them the way we've always done them. Yeah, Stupid. that's what happens with the old school players is they just refuse to uh, adapt to what's going on now. And the type of athlete is very different now and what is demanded of them. And it's just different. Yeah. The, the style of basketball is different. It's a more offensive so much game. Faster. Exactly. It's a more offensive game when it's 80 to 75 and it's a slower <laughs> pace. It's a lot easier to take care of your body. Um, when you're not running back and forth and having to play that style. So nonetheless, um, all right. So we basically said kaput to those rumors of a possible trade. Um, That'll probably be the last we talk of Harden, uh, most likely on this podcast, because I've already said with Matt that there's really no point in talking about it until it actually happens, because I'm not going to waste time talking about a guy who's not on the team. Um, And it doesn't impact anything that the team's doing right now. So who would be your preference to start, Nico Batum or Robert Covington? Because I could see the case for both. Um, I have a slight preference for one player, but I'm curious who your preference is first. I think, you know, heading into, um, or I guess like last season, I would have been, you know, with Nico Batum because, you know, he he was still proving to be the best fit with Kawhi and PG. Um, and really, he still might be like, you know, you can't deny the IQ he has for the game and the shooting ability, although it dipped last year. But honestly, man, I think, you know, for me, it's a rich Rocco because I, I want to for, I want to accomplish two things with that. One, I would like to preserve Nico's body and uh, I guess durability as much as possible. He's getting older. You can't deny that um, he's still able to perform. But for me, I think it would be better off if he's off the bench and you kind of like just be cautious with him throughout the year. And and what better way to do that than to start right now? And on the flip side of that, we saw the train wreck that was the Ty Lue and Rocco show last year. I, I don't know what that connection was. We still haven't fully gotten an explanation, have we? I mean, it's just like, oh, my bad. Sorry about that from Ty. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what we got. We didn't really get a, a reason why he was out of the rotation and then back out again. Um, but for me, let's just start fresh, start from scratch, um, put it out there. Rocco should be the starting uh, spot right now when Terrence is out. Yep, I agree. And, and I I said I give a slight lean to Robert Covington. It's really not that slight um, because of what you're saying. I think that with Nico Batum, he is a very good glue guy. There's no doubt about that. And that he has been a stable presence when Marcus Morris has been out and he's needed to start. But I just think he his veteran leadership, um, which, of course, Robert Covington's a veteran as well. But I think it'll be good on the bench unit. And 
really the main reason why I like to see Robert Covington start is because that would mean that he for sure plays. And yes, we never got any sort of explanation. It was more of a, hey, yeah, he probably should have played more. That's on me, is what Ty Lue was saying. And I think what we saw in Robert with Robert Covington start during the preseason was a lot of active activity in the passing lanes. And he was getting forcing steals. He was getting blocks. He was doing great defensively. Also was able to run. And what's interesting is there was a talk about how maybe he couldn't run the same way Terrence Mann can. And of course he can't. He doesn't have the athleticism. But what his turnovers do, and when he forces turnovers, is it ignites those fast breaks, allows the team to run. And that's why he's so beneficial to a team that has Russell Westbrook, who's so quick, and could then facilitate guys like PG and Kawhi. So I, I really would like to see Robert Covington start. I'd like to see him be given a couple of games, as long as Terrence Mann is out, and see how it goes. Um, and what's interesting is I always thought that it would make sense to have Terrence Mann start. Because then you could have K.J. Martin kind of be that guy that gives you energy with Bones Highland off the bench. But now with Bones hurt and with Team Man hurt, it, it does make sense to go ahead and give Rocco um, that starting job. And then you can have guys like K.J. Martin um, come off the bench, give you a little more athleticism because you don't have that athleticism as much now with guys like Bones out and Terrence. Well, I think Bones is questionable. Um, and then Terrence Mann obviously out. So... I just like to see that Robert Covington get the start with those other guys that can kind of, I guess, start on a on the front foot defensively, which I think is important to do, is that this Clippers team I don't think was great at times defensively last year. And so you put Robert Covington in there instead of Nico Batum. And I just think Robert Covington will do more defensively, despite the fact that Nico is a good defender as well. Who, who do you prefer defensively right now? Would it be Nico or would it be Robert Covington? Right now, if if I know that I have Kawhi and PG in the lineup with me, yeah, it's 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 I about said Norm Powell. I don't know why I said that. It's it's Nico. Okay. It's Nico Batum because just the the ability to quarterback that defense and the ability to rotate, knowing when and where to be. I'm not saying that Roko doesn't have those instincts. I just think that I I, I kind of trust that more from Batum. If that makes sense, I think Roko is more the let's cause a lot of havoc and let's call it, let's force a lot of turnovers. I think that's what Roko's going to be able to do. But for Batum, I think if I know I got Kawhi's hands and PG's hands in those passing lanes, I kind of just need someone to, um, to be a pro on that end and, and, and cover all bases. Well, in that case, then it certainly would make sense if you see Nico Batum in the starting lineup based on what you're saying, because Batum yeah, could work with those guys. And then Roko could be that guy that could give you a little bit of a spark defensively. Um, in the second unit and could work with guys like Norm Powell and KJ Martin and Mason Plumley and whoever else is going to come off the bench for the Clippers tomorrow. And it, the one thing is with the Clippers is that the bench unit has had a lot of praise the last couple of years coming into the season, but we really haven't seen enough from the second unit. And part of it has been injuries. And here we are right away where Terrence Mann is hurt. Bones Highland is questionable. Um, and who knows what we're going to get 
from the Clippers um, this season. But I think setting the tempo offensively and defensively, I mean, it's a no-brainer, obviously, to say that. It's just so important to start the season and to have guys that work well together. So I could see Nico Batum making sense as a guy who's already worked with PG mm-hmm. and Kawhi in that starting lineup last year. We know how much Ty Lue likes familiarity. But just based on that preseason game that we saw, I think it would make a lot of sense to see Robert Covington with that lineup. He looked really good. It looked pretty obvious that he'd be a good fit, and I think it would work out pretty well. Very fascinating to me, too, Brandon, that that in his 71 games as a Clipper, Rocco has shot 42% from three. Mm. You can't just throw that out. I mean, a lot of that is wide-open looks because that's what defenses are giving up. Uh, but guess what? If you have Kawhi and PG dictating the action, you're going to get those open looks, and that's not going anywhere. So, I mean, I, I just trust the two-way ability uh, with Rocco. And, and again, like we've said a couple times already, you let you, you kind of lower Batum's minutes for the season, knowing that you're going to need him for a, a long playoff run. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that starting lineup, but we'll see what happens. Um, I think one thing that we can agree on, and I feel like we talk about this all the time, is that it's truly impossible to predict how this team's going to do this year. And it's because of injuries. And we have seen Kawhi and PG miss countless games in the last couple of years. And you you tweeted earlier today, or it was yesterday, I believe, where you said, for once, I'm not going to take the Clippers to win the West. And because of that, they probably will win the West. Because it's logical that you're picking this team to do well, because on paper, Kawhi, PG, Zoo, Westbrook, T-Man, I mean, you add in guys like Norman Powell and you add in Plumley now, a good backup center. You throw in Nico Batum, Robert Covington, Bones Highland. I mean, there's t- KJ Martin. There's talent there, but the Clippers can't stay healthy. And if their two stars aren't on the floor, then they're not going to win games. And mm-hmm. we saw during the preseason, I think the Clippers were close to like a plus 30 or plus 40 with those two guys on the floor, Kawhi and PG, it's it's not rocket science that if those two guys are on the floor and they're healthy, the Clippers are going to win games. Their record simply mm-hmm. will be better, but we can't predict whether they're going to be on the floor because they've been injured so often. So that, yeah. it's tough to predict it. And I, I'm sure you had a tough time when you were trying to figure out your season projection of where the Clippers would be because of that, right? Yeah, I, I kind of split the difference. And I think, I, I can't remember off off the top of my head what the number exactly was, but I think 48 I is think, what you said. Yeah. 48 for the Clippers tied with Memphis, which, you know, <laughs> Memphis, they're going through a lot of turmoil right now. So they mm-hmm. might be knocked down a couple notches, but you know, I think in the past, the most games we've seen with Kawhi and PG together, unless I have it wrong was 42 or 43. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, and, and that's one for one given season, by the way, that's just not enough, man. Like, Uh, you've got to get into the 50s with these guys together or you're just not going to build any rhythm. And honestly, I kind of split the difference and said, we'll see 40. I think we'll see 40 this season with them both together. And they'll have a 60 win percentage in those games. But, you know, when one is missing, particularly Kawhi, when Kawhi misses, it seems like they're more of a 500 basketball team or worse. 40 is not many, Shane. It's not a lot. It's not because especially when you consider like I think Book and KD will get to uh, they'll eclipse 50. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll miss games, you know, here and there when various injuries or rest or whatever the case is. But I mean, you look at there's a reason Golden State has been so successful. 
they typically get 65 like Draymond Steph games together, and that's their that's their key duo right there. Mm, yeah, part of me thinks this is going to be the year they stay healthy. I'm just going to be stupid coming into this. Uh, uh, Matt and I have talked about how negative we've been on the podcast in the last year or so because last year was just such a frustrating season. The Clippers had championship aspirations, and they just couldn't stay healthy. And it all started off poorly for the first game of the season when we had no idea what Kawhi Leonard's role was going to be. All of a sudden, he pops off the uh, bench, and it wasn't even in the first quarter. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And so finally, he gets eased in, and he looked really good when he was on the floor. I mean, he truly looked like a top 10 player in the NBA when he was on the floor. Mm-hmm. And Paul George certainly has his glimpses where he is one of the best scorers in the NBA. I remember when Law was on this podcast and Law said, if I had to go with pure talent as a basketball player, like an X is a scorer, it's going to be Paul George over Kawhi Leonard. And Paul certainly has that ability. And he's talked about thinning out this year and not working as much on building muscle, trying to stay healthy. Of course, they're all going to say that. They want to say the right things right now. And Kawhi said he feels a lot better now than he did last year. Who knows if that's actually true. But nonetheless, you want to have some optimism that these guys are going to stay on the floor. And 40 games with those two guys, frankly, is not enough. And if that's the case, then they're probably going to be in trouble. But to your point, the four, the four top four spot, or getting a top four spot, rather, is so important because you need that home court. And how often does the NBA Finals winner come from a... <laughs> non top four seed it just doesn't happen and the Clippers can fool themselves all they want by saying yeah if we get a five or a six you know play whoever if we're healthy in the playoffs who knows it's like it doesn't matter even if you're healthy in the playoffs you're most likely screwed because that means a you've had guys miss games during the regular season and you probably don't have that chemistry that you need to have had and b you're just going to be on the road and you're going to be in tough environments like Denver and you're going to be at the yeah. Lakers instead. You're going to be at Memphis. You'll be at New Orleans. Who knows what what type of teams we'll see mm-hmm. out of the Clippers. So you need to win games during the regular season and the Clippers certainly have stressed the importance of winning in the regular season. And I, I said all the time on this pod, you can't stress the importance of winning, a reg- winning the regular season if you're hurt. Like it's impossible to value the regular season if you're hurt and you're benching guys. But it certainly seems like Kawhi and PG are in good shape now. Ty Lue's been running them like crazy to make sure that they're fit during the um, preseason. He's been doing drills. They learned from guys like I believe Tom Thibodeau that he never had used with his teams while coaching. So it certainly seems like he is more in tune with what it takes to win during the regular season. Are you buying into that or no? Um. I mean, yeah, I, it, it's always a tough dynamic, right? You you overwork your guys in camp, and then some bad things can happen, like we saw with an ankle injury. Now, we don't know. Maybe that's just, like, happenstance. Like, you know, Terrence laying on someone's foot, coming down on a rebound, and you sprain your ankle. Who knows? But it, it's always fascinating, the, the give and pull between um, trying to stay in condition and then overworking your guys. So, I don't know. Particularly with Kawhi and PG, it, it, it's weird because – I feel like it's just all bad luck. Like there's nothing those guys specifically have done that to really put themselves in danger. Uh, I mean, PG, no one really anticipated that injury against OKC. It just happened. And and really, um, how are you going to discredit or how are you going to bash a guy for, for working hard on a rebound? Like he was doing everything right. And it was just bad luck and bad timing. So I, I don't know. I, I tend to think though, Brandon, that this is the best opportunity 
they've had since 2021 to kind of replicate that season. Because if you remember, that was that's the lone year of this entire era that they have entered the season healthy, coming off of the bubble, right? So uh, they lost in the bubble in September, September 15th, and then they had until December to to really ramp up together. No injuries or anything like that. And that ended up being their most successful season. Went to the Western Conference Finals. Now they, you know, Kawhi got hurt later on off another freak play that wasn't really his fault. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be the, the second best regular season um, that we've seen out of those guys when it comes to being healthy. So um, 2021 had its up and downs, ups and downs. But uh, I think we're going to get closer to that than, than the disaster we just saw. So if you look at the Clippers' season win total, um, the over-under, and this is something that we, we could save towards the end, but we're not going to. We're going to get straight into it now. Um, I'm seeing 46.5 for the mm-hmm. over-under for the Clippers. And if we look at previous years, Shane, and, and where the Clippers have been, last year, 44-38. and 38, And I think we could say the last year was pretty much a disaster. Um, oh, it was hor- the worst year of the. Uh, it was the worst year when you consider all the factors. Like obviously, twenty twenty two, they won fewer games, I believe. But yep. but I mean, they were expected to. Forty four and thirty eight with all the games that PG and Kawhi missed last year. Forty two and forty the year before. Forty seven and twenty five in twenty twenty one. Forty nine and twenty three in nineteen and twenty three season. 18, 19, 48, and 34. So the Clippers have been over 46 in three of the last five years. The only issue is the last two years, they've been under that 46 and a half. You said 48 in your mm-hmm. season oh, season win total um, predictions. I think that's pretty reasonable because if you think the Clippers get just a little bit more than PG and Kawhi than what they got last year, then they yeah. should hit 46 rather easily. And how many games did they lose last year, Shane, that they had no business losing? I mean, you look at games on the road against teams that, I mean, frankly, the Thunder last year at times did not look good, and they lose the Thunder. They lose, I think it was against the Spurs they may have lost a game. They, they just lost so many bad games last yeah. year. And it, it feels like with the importance of winning during the regular season, I feel like that by itself will give you three or four wins like at Orlando at Miami, that back-to-back both were winnable. They lost both. Um, You know, you look at at Philly lost by five (laughs) and that might've been a game they had, they had a lead in too, because Kawhi played. Um, It's just a lot of, a lot of close losses. And that's why their point differential was pretty respectable. Like, I mean, their defense, I think they were still top 10 uh, or so defense last year. Um, it kind of slipped towards the end. But, like, I think their offense just got off to such a horrid start. And it's and I, I kind of don't expect that, especially with some direction, with some uh, rotation um, uh, clarity, as, quite frankly, is what they have now. Uh, you know, despite my feelings on Russell Westbrook, at least there's some clarity there. They know what they're going to do night in, night out. It's not a guessing game. Um, from the point guard spot. So, you know, it is what it is. I think you're right. 48 is kind of the number I landed on because I don't expect them to be at the top of the West. But I think on a night-to-night basis, 
while it's true there's not these gimme games out there in the NBA anymore, you can't just expect to walk into Utah and get a win. I mean, it's probably a bad example because Utah is a, a decent team right now. But you can't walk into Houston, San Antonio, for God's sakes, and, and yeah. expect things to be easy, right? Not with Victor over there looking as dominant as he does as a rookie. So um, I think, you know, if you just go 500 or – and that, that's the big thing, Brandon, is is the, the games against – these contenders, their record was horrible last year in those games. Yep. And I, I think you can expect to be a little bit better. Um, not much because no let's let's be honest, no team really dominates against contenders unless you're like Milwaukee a couple of years ago where they were storming through the NBA. Um so you know, I, I think they'll be a little bit better in those marquee games and that'll that'll get them to forty eight. That was my next point. By the way, uh, correct myself, the Clippers won all four games against San Antonio last year, but um, it was Oklahoma City and New Orleans uh, back-to-back games that I was thinking about and also Utah, like you said. Um, That was my next point, was that you look at the quality of the wins, and you look at the quality of the wins in October and November, and really the only good team that the Clippers beat was Sacramento, and that was the second game of the season. Then you can even look at the game that Sac- the Clippers lost against Sacramento where they had no business losing and ended up losing in that insanely high-scoring game. But, 170 to something. Yeah, it's just nuts. But you look at the wins. Lakers, Kings, Rockets, Spurs, Cavs, Rockets, Lakers, Spurs, Jazz, Pistons, Pacers, Blazers. Those are the teams they beat in November, in October and November. It just seemed like every big game the Clippers would lose. They lost at Miami. They did beat the Celtics at home, but they lose against the Suns. You lose against the 76ers. You lose at Boston. You lose against Miami at home. It just felt like they lost against Denver every time they faced them. They just lost so many games that were ones that were against good teams and and still got and still got like all that turmoil with Kawhi and 44 wins as he did. Yeah, like and still get to forty four, and and I'm sorry, I think Ty Lue's worth two and a half th- to three and a half wins. Yeah, <laughs> like I think he's worth that many on your team schedule, if not more. So I just think I think over is a, I wouldn't say easy, but it was one of the easier ones for me to go over. It was just a matter of how far I was going over. And, and last year, Kawhi played in just fifty two games. I mean, he yeah. sat out thirty games last year. That is a lot of games. If you think that he plays even. 60 to 65 and Paul George plays close to that as well. Mm-hmm. Then the Clippers should do a lot better, but of course it comes down to injuries and those guys just can't stay healthy. So that's why everyone else is picking the Clippers to go under because they say, how much make me prove it might prove it. Yeah. How much does the rust piece add to this? Because, you know, I have my issues with them. I've said it so many times. Yeah. I don't think he's a winning player right now, but like, He's an average player, and and really that's what you need Mm -hmm. whenever you're going to have Kawhi sitting on the bench in some games. I mean, they didn't have that for, what, the first 55 to 60 games of the season? They didn't have Russ. Yeah. No, spot on. And you just look at the postseason and how Russell Westbrook was basically able to carry the Clippers in a game um, against the Suns. Like, he's a guy that has the ability do you want that every night? No, you don't. And that's why I've always said on this podcast that James Harden will be a great guy to have because when Paul George and Kawhi inevitably miss games, Harden's a guy that can go and win a game by himself and can take over. But Westbrook is a crappier version of that, um, but he can still do it. And you bring up Westbrook, and how about the leadership and being vocal? The Clippers didn't have that last year. And as much as we have 
absolutely taken the piss on um, Russell Westbrook on this podcast. And Matt and I have done it. You and I have done it. I don't mind his fit on this team. I think he brings stuff that this team doesn't have. They don't think they had a vocal leader. I don't think they had a guy that would go and give that kick in the ass that this team would need and that focus and that energy and that speed. And I think he's going to be a good mentor for a guy like Bones Highland because you need to have a little bit of youth that you can have um, ignited to this team when guys like Russell Westbrook and Kawhi and PG are the focal point and those guys are all old. So I don't mind his fit on this team. And I think it'll be important to have him for 82 games. And of course, he's got to stay healthy mm-hmm. too. But I do think that having him will help you get a couple of wins because he's bought in Shane. That's the most important thing is that he. this is not Lakers Westbrook. Lakers Westbrook didn't want to play with those guys he was a guy that wanted nothing to do with uh, AD and LeBron. He'll sit in the corner. Mm-hmm. He'll take his threes. He'll mope while um, LeBron is chasing a record. He just doesn't care. And I think this is just a much better situation for him. Oh, I, I definitely think it is. Um, everyone on the team likes him, really loves him. I think that's a big component, too. That was something I was fearful of. Thought, you know, when he came in in February of last year, last season, that, you know, maybe it was just a PG thing, but it. Seems to be everyone's on board, so that's great. Um, I still just fear, like the the Tuesday night in Orlando when you know you look at you look at his shot selection, you take you, you look at some of the the uh, shots he's taking, and it's like, God, do you really need to take seven threes, or like, do you really need to take these off the dribble shots that aren't great for us? So I I still think that as much as he's gonna win you some games whenever Kawhi is out on back to backs. Um, I think that people are kind of not factoring in that he will cost you some too. That's fair, but I also don't think he did that that often last year. Um, not that often. I feel... think he, he took some bad shots here and there. but Yeah, yeah of course. But who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of players take bad shots, but he's yeah. Russell Westbrook. So because he's Russell Westbrook, he's going to get picked on more if he goes and takes an elbow jumper or takes a three-pointer um, when he has a someone else that's more open that has a better shot like a lot of guys do that in offenses it's just that he gets picked on um but i I think that what i saw last year there are certain times where sure he should have done better but i just think that what he's going to bring to this team will be valuable now what happens um if they do get a guy like harden who knows um we'll see what if that happens if when it happens if it happens who knows so Harden, PG, Kawhi, all healthy to start the season. Who knows who the fifth starter is going to be? But the fourth guy is Zoo. And mm-hmm. we have seen Zoo improve every single year, Shane. And he's become a really good center. And I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons. And his NBA stuff is hit or miss. But, I mean, he said the Clippers have the worst centers in the league. Like, that's just so dumb. Oh, I heard that, too. And I, I, if it was the one I was thinking of, it was like he, he listed all the centers. And he said that Zubats ranked like 28th or something like that. I said, do what? Yeah. It's I was like, like he and Plumlee is no a really good, like that's a solid duo. And if you watch Zoo, what he does defensively for this team, and now what he's been able to do offensively with working with Russell Westbrook and getting him the ball in the right places and working on his game around the, uh, around the basket. I just yeah. think that what Zoo brings defensively along with what he can bring well, offensively, he's a really nice fit around those guys. For instance, Brandon, could you imagine right now if Yusuf Nurkic was a Vita Zubats? I would pick the Suns to win the title. I wouldn't really hesitate about it. Really? Like, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think what they're missing is someone that can play different coverages. I know that Zoo is primarily a drop center, so it kind of goes against my point there. But I, I really trust Zoo way more than you know Yusuf Nurkic or DeAndre Ayton on defense. And I, I just think that he has developed such an identity that everyone respects his game. Everyone loves his screen setting. Um, I, I really, really value Zoo. He's what, probably my favorite player on this team, but outside of outside of Kawhi, um, I, I just love what he brings. I love what he did last year. I mean, he really took a step forward in the post. Um, I thought it was, I thought it, he was underutilized in some in some instances. So I like to see them kind of lean on him a little bit more, give him more opportunities in the short role. I'm just, uh, I, I'm I'm really big on what he can do this year, particularly a full year with a a speedy guard like uh, or two speedy guards really Russ and bones. Yeah. And I just think that he's so undervalued and what he brings to this team. Every single time we're on this podcast, we talk about the most important players and it's PG Kawhi and it's always zoo as the third guy. And mm-hmm. if you have zoo as the third most important guy on your team, there's no way you can say that he's not a good center. Like what he brings to the team is so important. So I'm curious to see how he does this season. And if he's able to take a step forward, because we got to remember he's still young. So I'm curious how he does. And it'll be nice to have a backup center in Mason Plumlee where the Clippers can actually have a reliable big man off the bench, because how many times did they get crushed on the boards last year with the second unit? (laughs) Like, it just felt like they didn't have anybody that could rebound. When you have Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nico Batum, like, as your big guys, like, that's just not going to cut it. And so having, you mentioned having a full season of Russell Westbrook, but how about having a full season of Plumlee? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Mason is one of the five best backup centers and maybe that's putting it mildly. I mean, really you think about backup bigs, you don't, you don't really even think about good ones. You think of ser- serviceable ones. I mm-hmm. think Mason can really be good on, on most nights. Uh, the passing is something that, you know, probably even better than Hartenstein. Is that crazy? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's hit or miss. You know, I think Hartenstein did a lot of great things in that season. He was there, but um, you know, Mason just seems to have a really good feel for the game. And I think that's a, that's a lot of what this team's missing. Uh, let me, let me actually, uh, retract something. Uh, if, if zoo was on the suns instead of Nurkic, I'd pick them to win the West, not the title. Okay. <laughs> let me just correct, correct myself. That's fair. There's still high expectations. I know you don't yeah. like Nurk very much, um, because he doesn't yeah, do I'm, very I'm, much defensively. I think it's going to be a, a failure there, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you, I mean, yeah, you mentioned a lot in terms of vocal and what he could have done with Aiden and how much it would have made sense to have him there, but that's neither here nor there. So we'll see. And another piece that we haven't talked about that often or that much rather is Norm Powell. And actually, you know what? Now that I bring up Norm Powell, it makes me think of something, and I want to get your take on it because you have been very vocal about how the Clippers made the wrong decision on Eric Gordon and how yes. much he could have fit with this team. And I, I want to push back on you, and I want to hear your take when you okay. hear my pushback. So the way the Clippers roster is constructed, it, there's only so many spots on this team. You already have a couple of guys that are going to be a DMP CD when everyone's healthy. Granted, who knows when everyone's going to be healthy. We already have team man hurt. But – that being said, it just feels like Eric Gordon, we can acknowledge the Clippers made the wrong call making that deal last year in the way it resulted. The Clippers did not do well. They got bounced in the first round and they ended up dropping 10 spots in the draft because of it. Now, you could have said, you know what? Why don't you just pay the money and have him there? But 
whose role is he going to take realistically? He's probably going to take Bones Highland spot, right? I mean, that that's how I look at it. And mm-hmm. the way I see it is that Eric Gordon certainly has that ability to spread the floor and attack the basket. There's no doubt. But I think Bones Highland certainly can do that as well. And the Clippers at some point need to get younger, Shane. And if you continue to roll out these 33 to 35-year-olds every year, you're going to continue to get injuries and continue to not have any sort of athleticism and burst. And I don't think that Eric Gordon has that sort of athleticism that Bones Highland can bring to your team. So I would like to see Bones Highland get some minutes. I'd like to see Norm Powell be that scorer that we know he can be. And then you go and you bring in guys like K.J. Martin, who I think should play. You bring in Plumley. And you bring in either Batum or Rocco off the bench. Like, there's not many spots for a guy like Eric Gordon. So I think as a team, it makes sense. Now, tell me where I went wrong with what I just said. Uh, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I agree with a lot of it. And I think the only thing I really disagree with is that, um, you know, I understand you have to get younger. And I think you and I have both been preaching that. Like, this team has probably lost its window because – they don't have that injection of youth uh, quite as much unless Bones is, is really going to be that guy. But I think if you're trying to win now, just some of the shots and some of the things that we were seeing from Eric Gordon and how he opened the floor up for them, I think the the win now move is to pay him and play him in that role. And, yeah, you know, it, it's probably not wise for the future. Definitely not wise if you have Bones Highland sitting there, but – I don't know, man. I always, always defer to shooting. I always just kind of lean that way. And it's not even the shooting for him because, you know, he does hit cold bones or uh, Eric Gordon hits hits some dry spells here and there. But it's mm-hmm. it's more so just the effect, the the counter or um, uh, what it does, the domino effect that it has for Kawhi and Paul. It's something that, you know, they had with when they shared the court with Luke Kennard. And I think the numbers bared that out. Just if you if you look at historically uh when Kawhi Paul and Luke Kennard shared the floor together it was just astronomical offensive numbers from what I remember and I think Eric Gordon kind of slotted right into that um provided the same range uh this the same respectability that the defense had to pay to him so I that's kind of where I lean but also I have to like I have to admit like when I'm on Twitter saying that stuff I I actually kind of just go back to what they look like in those couple games before the the Russell Westbrook acquisition. So really, to me, it's bring back Gordon, and I'm not really thinking about the Russ part of that because yeah. it's obviously Russ is, is getting minutes on the team. He's a starter. He's playing 30-plus minutes. But it's like, yeah, I just kind of like what they had with Terrence Mann in there in, in the starting group, and then you just bring in more shooting with Eric Gordon. So, you know, it, it's kind of part of me being a little bit uh, salty that they did that. Um, they, they only got to see what the team looked like for a couple games before they went and, and brought in the starter and Russ. So, you know, it is what it is. But for me, I'm, I, I would bring I would just brought him back and paid it because it's Steve Ballmer. I don't care. I don't care about the financial part of that. I really don't think the fans should. I mean, the guy's ridiculously rich. So I know it's not smart, but um, I, I, and, and really, I think Eric Gordon showed honestly, man, that. He's fine with any role. Uh, he he might be saying that. He might just put it on face. I'm not sure if it's true or not. But to me, no matter what, I mean, I think he would have been cool with Bones Island playing in front of him on some nights too. Who knows? Yeah, I just I get what you're saying, and I think that 
I like how you're admitting in terms of that you're looking at the team more so before the Westbrook acquisition. And listen, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, the, the Clippers didn't give that lineup a chance, but that goes back to the Clippers just not playing Terrence Mann enough in the first place. And if they would have played him yeah. sooner, they could have realized what they had in him. And now they're finally realizing that he's a starter. And perhaps it's a little bit too late because you've already constructed your roster in such a different manner than what it could have been had you not gone and gotten Westbrook because the Clippers didn't really need Westbrook. But that being said, they needed somebody that could be on the floor when PG and Kawhi were hurt. And so in the end, it actually made sense because they ended up getting a guy that helped them win a playoff game because Kawhi and PG um, have been injured so, so often. So it's just one of those things where I said it before, and I've said this on the podcast so many times. People have listened to, that listen to this podcast yeah. every time we release it is that Eric Bledsoe was a guy that I wanted the Clippers to get because of availability, and Westbrook has that availability. And so in terms of roster construction, sure, you can haggle all you want about what the team would have looked like with Gordon and no Westbrook, but the way it's constructed now, I just don't think that Eric Gordon would have made sense for the way this team is though. going. Hmm. Let me ask you something about that because I'm actually just kind of thinking of it from a playoff lens. And we saw, yeah. you know, that game one, we saw the the type of effect against the Suns that, you know, Kawhi with Eric Gordon next to him, how much it just stressed the defense, right? So would in a playoff series against Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, I guess your top dogs, would you be, com- would you be more comfortable with Bones and some of those lineups than, than Eric Gordon? I mean, to me... I, that's kind of where if I'm going to win now and I understand the future is important as well yeah. and you need to get you need to get fresher. I would rather have Eric Gordon. And I understand where you're coming from. And I think we fall into a trap of where we say this is the win now. We've been saying that now, Shane, for the last three or four years where yeah. I mean, you even go back to the Clippers with the Lob City Clippers. How many times are they trying to find that small forward and find that guy that they Nick Young, Paul Pierce, so that they could just throw in there and bring in a veteran leader because they needed to win now? That never worked. And here's the thing. Like, we're again in a win now. And frankly, every freaking year is a win now. But at some point, you got to see what you have with other guys. And if it doesn't compromise your team to the point where, hey, you're probably going to lose a game or two in the playoffs because of this, then I want to see what happens. I want to give Bones Highland a full 30 to 40 games to see what he's capable of. I said last year he shouldn't be playing in the postseason. Now he's had an entire offseason behind Russell Westbrook. He's been working his ass off. I want to see him given that chance. And then if it's not working out, Then you have the trade deadline and you can bring in a guy that maybe could spread the floor and be that guy that can be the veteran leader and see or can be that veteran three point shooter, that three and D type guy. So perhaps it may not work with Bones Highland, but I'm tired of the, hey, let's bring in this old veteran guy because you need to win now. Like at some point you need the athleticism because Shane, this team, the teams that are winning are teams usually that are fast and athletic and can spread the floor and do everything. And when you bring in guys that are older and slower and broken down, you're going to lose basketball games. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, totally fair. Um, Bones has has earned the opportunity. Um, and, you know, we, we're not privy to all of camp and uh, but but everything that's going on behind the scenes of practice. But yeah. if everyone's raving about them, including your best player and your franchise leader that you're hoping to retain mm-hmm. uh, for the long haul on Kawhi Leonard, then you got to go for it. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, I think we covered everybody I want to cover. I'm not really going to go on Marcus Morris because I think that he's going to get traded at some point. Um, I've already made it. It's very... so weird what's going on. Yeah, it makes so no weird. sense. It makes no sense. I, I'm not sure he's actually really hurt, um, but who knows? Um, and maybe more hurt feelings than anything. Uh, every, people have talked about Musa Diabate, Brandon Boston Jr. getting minutes. If we see those two guys on the floor, that means things have gone seriously wrong with the Clippers with injuries. So you do not want to see those guys on the floor. I talk about youth. Brandon Boston Jr. right now just hasn't shown enough. And it's just one of those things where I, I want to ride with the guys in PG, Kawhi, Westbrook, Zoo, Robert Covington, Batum, KJ Martin, Norman Powell. Um, I'm missing other Mitt Terrence, man. I want to plumly. I want to see those guys in the floor ahead of the likes of Brandon Boston Jr. and Diabate. So we'll see how the season rolls out. So you think the Clippers are going to get 48 wins and finish fourth in the West. Matt thinks the Clippers will finish 48 and 34 and finish fourth in the West. So you guys are both on the same oh, wow. exact page. Yeah. He said, I asked for his prediction and he said a whopping 48 wins, which will have us fourth count it fourth in the West. Only the nuggets, the Suns, and the thunder finish with more the wins. thunder. Yeah. He's going thunder um, ahead of the Clippers. So I got to tell you, man, um, the Clippers, when they're healthy, should certainly get 48 wins. I mean, no doubt about it. Um, I'd like to see them win against good teams. I think that what we touched, touched on earlier is important. The Clippers lost way too many games against good teams, and there are a lot of teams that are getting better. I mean, you even mentioned it with the Spurs, and you look at Wemby along with Vassell, and Soch, Soch, how do you pronounce his last name? Sochan? Jeremy, Jeremy Sohan. Sohan. Oh, yeah. Duh, Sohan. Um, and, and you look at that team and Zach Collins, and it's a solid team, and they're going to give you a game. Um, but nonetheless, I, I think the Clippers finish right around that mark, the 48-win mark. Um, I'll go ahead, and uh, I'm going to be stupid. Triple down. Triple down. I'm I'm tired of being pessimistic. I'm gonna go 50 and 32. The Clippers get oh, health man. from Kawhi and PG finally, and when everybody and I mean everybody has counted them out in the national media, saying I want to see it before I go ahead and pick that over 46 and a half wins. And I think this is the year that you see it. I mean, the Clippers have the best mentality they've ever had under Ty Lue coming into a season. I said that you need to value the regular season, and I didn't understand how they would do that. But they've shown that in the, in the preseason, they're going to run, they're going to do drills, they're going to make them work hard and value every game. So I feel like that's going to be the take. I mean, I like that's going to be the, the focus coming into the season. So I'll go ahead and say 50 and 32, and I think the Clippers finish third in the Western Conference. So that's my prediction, Shane. We've come such a long way from just 12 months ago when I picked this team to win 60 basketball games. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, listen, when they're healthy, they certainly have the ability to, but they can't stay healthy. I mean, they're, Kawhi and PG are going to miss games. That's just going to happen. It's just a matter of how many. So 50 and 32 would be an outstanding record. But listen, we could be here in two weeks and I could be back to my negative self because one of the two have been injured and you know exactly what's going to happen when that occurs. So hopefully that does not occur. And we see the Clippers and what they're capable of. I just really hope I I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I just really hope that fans aren't stupid enough, not Clippers fans, but NBA fans are stupid enough to believe that this player participation policy is going to actually matter for the Clippers because I got breaking news. They weren't willingly resting, resting both guys. Like, you know, they, they were hurt last year. Now, if you want to say that they get hurt too much, I agree. Brandon agrees. Everyone agrees they get hurt too much. 
but they were not just resting both guys on national television games or, or on back-to-backs. Like, I, I think the whole thing was bogus, and I know you probably saw my rant on that as well, but yeah, um, it, it's it, it's ridiculous, and I hope that in the second week of the season or third week of the season, whenever the case is, when they have back-to-backs lining up, that people react to that accordingly. I know they won't, but, you know. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think they'll want to play some back-to-backs. But you're right, by the way. You you have been on that, and Law did a really good bit breakdown as well in terms of the games missed by each guy and how many were actually yeah. because of rest. And it really wasn't. I mean, you look at injuries and then the back-to-backs. I mean, there really was not a ton of load management by the Clippers. They like to be the, uh, the picture that always shows up when you look at load management, but hasn't really been the case. And guess what? Anthony Davis and LeBron James have missed a ton of games as well um, over the last couple of years. So it should be a fun season. It's always fun at the start of the year because everybody has a chance, Shane. And right now the Clippers are healthy and they are not going into the season like last year. We had no idea what was going on with Kawhi. We know what's going on with Kawhi. We know where PG is at. The only injury is Terrence Mann. We'll see if it's Rocco or Batum that gets the starting nod. But should be a fun game against Portland, a game that you absolutely should win out of the gate. Um, you're facing a team that sure has some young guys in Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. Just got DeAndre Ayton to pair with Simons as well. But it's a team in the Clippers that should win when healthy against this Portland team. So it should be fun. Shane, at NBA on Twitter slash X. You can read him on Forbes. Always does a tremendous work, or always does tremendous work covering the NBA. You can follow me on Twitter at bdmarcus. At Ethos Clips is the podcast, of course. If you can give us a rate and review the podcast, it always does help. Leave a nice review and five star rating as well. Shane, what else you got? Anything else you want to promote? Uh, nothing right now, man. Just kind of waiting to see what happens this week and doing some takeaways, I think, for the league-wide stuff. And we'll be keeping an eye out for that. For Shane and the sick Matt, feel better, buddy. And Brandon, this has been the Ethos Clippers Podcast. Until next time, go Clips. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.